Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? Let me hear you real quick. Look, I know it's Labor Day weekend. I know you're just waking up, but we're going to have to get some energy in this place this morning. Uh, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, I want to just go over a couple of announcements real quick and then a couple of calendar items. First of all is, is your opportunity to connect. And so again, if you're visiting today or you're watching online for the first time or maybe been coming for a couple of weeks, we really want to encourage you to connect. And here's the way you can do that. There's two ways. First is when you came in, you were given uh, something that looked like this, just a paper connection card, and you can fill that out for us. Um, or you can do a text to connect. And so what you can do is you can text VICTORY18 in the, in the message area to the number 31996. And when you do that, it'll send you kind of a digital version of this, and you can fill it out. Either way, whether you fill out this one or the digital version, after service, if you want to, you can take it right to our welcome center that's in the hallway, and they got a nice little gift from, for you for doing that, just to say, hey, thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this morning. So we want to encourage you to do that. Secondly, if you have a desire to give in any way, and so we have three ways that you can give here at Victory. First is through our website and our app. Uh, you can also do it from a, from a text-to-give aspect as well, just like texting to connect. Or as you're leaving out of the auditorium today, uh, there'll be a, uh, one of our auditorium hosts will have a bucket. You can drop off, check, cash, any way you want to that way. Um, it's always exciting for me when I talk to you about giving to be able to celebrate what we're able to do because of your giving, because of those of you that are so faithful in supporting Victory Church. And so I want to I kind of tell you real quick what we're doing, and then I want to encourage you to be a part of it if you want to be. So September 19th, so I'll talk about this in a little bit, but these next three weeks are all about the vision of our church. Um, <clears throat> September 19th, we're going to focus a little bit on some of the outreach and, and community uh, areas that we partner with. We're going to talk a little bit about them and so on. However, or, or along with, on that day, Isaiah 117, one of the partners that we partner with, will be here. So she was supposed to be here during at the movies, but got sick, but she'll be in the building. So we're going to bless her that day. Let me tell you what we're going to do. Um, and because of your giving, we're able to already do this. So when somebody comes in, the, Isaiah 117 is kind of a respite care process where they're, they're housing the kids until they can get placed in foster homes. One of their biggest needs is that a lot of times the kids will arrive and they'll be hungry and they'll need to take the kids to eat. And there's no, there's no budget for that. And so the employees come out of their own pocket and they'll run them to McDonald's or Burger King and get them something to eat, but they'll have to pay for it. And so one of the things that they always talk about that they, you know, that is a blessing to them are just those little gift cards to McDonald's, Arby's, Burger King, wherever, Chick-fil-A, little $10, $15 gift cards. So because of your faithfulness, we're going to provide them a whole bunch of those gift cards that day already. But I do love to give you the opportunity. I was talking to somebody one time and they said, you know, we love how much you announced that we're already able to do because of our faithfulness, but we'd love to sometimes even do more. So I want to allow you to do that. And here's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. We will have a basket in the lobby where if you're wanting to bring cards to go on top of that, feel free to. So you can bring those cards, you can drop in the basket and we will add them onto the cards that we are already going to purchase and give them. So it's going to be a fantastic day as not only do we meet them and bless them, uh, but we get to sow in to the kids that they're ministering to. And so, again, we would not be able to do that if it wasn't for your faithfulness. And so those of you that support Victory, thank you so much. You're impacting so many people. Uh, a couple of calendar items, and we'll jump into this. Next Sunday is water baptism, okay? So, yeah, thank you. You can get a little hype about that. So if, if you're in here, you're watching online, you'd like to be baptized in water, we want to encourage you to go to our Facebook, sign up for that. You can text to connect as well and just say, hey, I want to get baptized. You can mark it on your connection card, I want to get baptized, and we will get in contact with you this week, give you all the information, and then after service next Sunday, immediately following service, we'll go out, and it's going to be an incredible time. Amen? Amen. 
All right, so real quick, At the Movies was a huge success, right? Did you enjoy it? You enjoy it? Look, it was so awesome. We saw so many new faces, and I just want to say thank you to every Dream Team member from all across the board, those of you that popped popcorn, handed out popcorn, obviously all the production and worship that went on in here, every V Kids team member that ministered to our children during that season, every first impression worker that met people at the door, every character who dressed up as a character. It was just a huge huge success. And so we're excited about it. We're excited about the momentum it's going to bring as we get into the rest of this year. And here's what we're doing. So we're coming out of that and we are returning to the book of Acts. And so if you are new to Victory Church or you haven't been here in a while, what we were doing before at the movies is since Easter, since the day Sunday after Easter, we've been studying through the book of Acts chapter by chapter. And we just kind of spend however much time in each chapter we feel like we need to spend. But we took a break from that to go into at the movies, and we're picking that back up today, and it's really cool because it's lining up perfectly for me to share with you simultaneously the vision of Victory Church and some things that we're doing as well as the things that we want to do and we want our focus to be on, and so when you came in, you were given like a little brochure. You don't have to bring that back every week, but that's yours. You're welcome. We're going to give those out every week, so uh, if you want to just save trees, you can say, hey, you know, I got mine. Thank you, but there's information every week about the Sundays. There's a question, a couple questions I always want you to consider uh, after, after the service each week. There's some information about our, the partners that we, that we support. There's information on how to next steps, and we'll talk about all of that over the next couple weeks, but uh, I just want you to hang on to that. This Sunday... This is certainly, what I'm going to talk to you about, some people might say, well, that's not really a, a vision point, and I think that's the problem, because what I'm going to talk to you about today, I think, is the most important vision point, point. and while we will talk about connection, and we will talk about the outreach and all that, if we don't get what I'm about to talk to you today right, then, then we're off kilter from the very beginning, okay? You ready? You ready for this? Yes. All right, so we're going to go to Acts chapter 9, so if you have your Bibles, get into, me, honey, oh my really, gosh. really quick. Oh my gosh. I just have one more announcement for this morning. I'm going to kill you. You love me. Those of you that were here last week heard my husband share a tragedy that happened to him, brought on by none oh. other than his wife. Threw my crumble away. I tragically threw away a box of old crumble cookie, yeah. and it broke his heart, oh, and it broke mine. To see his heart broken. So, honey, in front of our people, yes. I wanted to officially ask you to forgive me for throwing away that box of crumble. Will you forgive me, sweetheart? I am so sorry. I will forgive you for crumble. I will not forgive you for this. <laughs> well, mate, I have something that may, okay, may get out make here. up for it just a little bit. You guys, we are not done embarrassing him. We're totally going to say happy birthday. What is happening? Y'all help me sing happy birthday to our pastor. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday to you. Oh, that's awesome. You. Happy birthday, Pastor Troy. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Thank you. Oh, thank y'all. If you know anything about me, you know I, I absolutely hate surprises. There is, uh, of, of, of everything you could possibly hate, this is the worst thing. Surprises are here for me. And so that was, that was great. She'll pay for that later. Um, 
Thank you guys so much for that. that. That really does mean a lot that you would do that. So, all right, all right, let's move on. Let's get back in the Bible, all right, you ready? All right, back to Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter nine. So we're gonna pick up, we're gonna start at verse 26. And so as you're turning, let me just kind of connect you real quick to where we were. Um, when we started in Acts one, Jesus has died. He's gone on the cross, he's resurrected, and he's come back to life. He's revealed himself to the disciples, and then he's commissioned the disciples. And he said, hey, you need to go and share the gospel. You need to go and tell people about me. And obviously, his resurrection and his presence gave such a burden and a reality and a confidence in the message of Christ that now they go and they start the local church. So that's what starts in Acts 1 through 8. We kind of walk through different uh, aspects and attributes that we can learn to be a better church and different things like that. But then something happened right when we left off before at the movies where a young man by the name of Saul was uh, he met Christ and he became a Christ follower. Uh, he actually later on will change his name to Paul and he'll go on to write, uh, what, two-thirds, one-third of the, of the New Testament. And so um, pretty, pretty awesome situation. But as we start today, things are gonna kind of start to take a kind of a hit-the-gas-pedal movement on sharing the gospel and people getting saved and all that kind of stuff, and it's gonna start with Paul. So we're gonna start reading in verse 26. I'm gonna read about five verses and then I'm gonna break it down for us. So here we go, Acts 9. Verse 26 starts with, when he came to Jerusalem, now he is Paul or Saul, however you want to refer to him right now. I don't think his name's been changed yet, so he's still Saul. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Hey guys, let me in the group. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Now he had been persecuting and killing Christians, so obviously it makes sense to be like, hey, can we just run a background check on this dude first before we let him know where we live? And so, but Barnabas took him and they brought him to the apostles and he told them how Saul on his journey, and we read about this, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. The Lord spoke, he fell off, he, he, his eyes were closed, and, or, 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 or there was something put over his eyes, and we, we read about that weeks ago. And then how in Damascus, he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And so that was obviously an, an evidence of transformation. So Saul stayed with them, and he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So now, not only has Saul been transformed, but now he's speaking boldly about what's happened. He talked and he, he, talked and he debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. And when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church, and these are gonna be, this is our verse that we're really gonna hammer on today. We're gonna pick it apart. Then the church throughout Judea, uh, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it, the church, increased in numbers. I want to talk to you for just a few moments this morning from the idea, open our eyes. Open our eyes, Lord. I want that to be our prayer. Open our eyes. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Darla and I went on a date and our kids were in this drama practice, and so they had to be there at like five o'clock, and so we went on a date pretty early, earlier than you know, most people our age do. And so we went to Puckett's in Murfreesboro to eat dinner. I don't know if you're familiar with that place. And we go into Puckett's, and we're, we walk in at about five, 5.15, and it's dead. There's like two or three people in there, and they set us in, you know, set us at a table, and we're sitting at the table, and we're like, man, you know, this is awesome. We're old enough where no crowds is awesome, all right? So if you're young, you think crowds means, yeah, everybody. If you're old, you're like, oh, thank God nobody's here, yeah, you know? And so we loved it. We sit down at the table. You know, it's like, it's, it's the, the old hour. What do they call that? Uh, not happy hour, but uh, what is it called? Early supper or... Who? Early bird. Early bird special. Thank you. The youngest person in the room knew that. How is that possible? Um, early bird special. 
So we sit down to eat, and, and we, we get our order and everything, and then we notice there's this flyer on the wall, okay? It's, I don't remember what it was for, but we notice it, and Darla and I start trying to read the flyer. Now, the flyer has big words at the top, and the words get smaller to the bottom like flyers do, okay? So we're sitting there, and had you walked by, you would have seen both of us going, we're trying to read it. And she's like, what do you think? I'm like, is that a the? And she's like, I think it says just. And I'm like, it looks like the. And so we're just going through talking. All of a sudden, Darla gets her purse in her lap and she breaks out her glasses. You know what I mean? Because she has glasses at night when she drives. And so she puts them on and she starts reading it. And I'm like, is it, does that really work like that? And she's like, yeah. And she hands it to me and I put them on and I'm trying to read it. And at that moment, here's what I realized. We are a married couple. We are at the early bird special for dinner. And we are sharing a pair of glasses as we try to read this flyer. That was the moment where I realized we're old. You know what I mean? Like, like I get it. You know, I know some people are like, please. And some people are like, yes, you are. Like, yeah, you're really old. I mean, it was just like, oh, my goodness. We're, and it's just kind of natural, I think, that as we get older, one of the things that tends to go is our vision, right? And I had that thought, and I went, wow, isn't it interesting that as we become older Christians, mature Christians, if we're not careful, sometimes we lose our vision, right? Like sometimes the quickest thing to go, the longer that we've been saved and the longer that we go to church, sometimes the quickest thing to leave is our ability to see. And whether you think that church should be big or small or medium, whatever that is, whether you think church should be outreach-focused or discipleship-focused, whether you think church should be spiritually deep or it should be seeker-sensitive, the truth is this, that the church, every church, the church should be a place that is growing in both strength and number. Okay? We just read it in Acts chapter 9 that in the peak, Christ has resurrected. Now he's gone and ascended to heaven, and the movement of God is happening, and the local church is both growing in strength and in number. In number means that lost people are being saved. It means people that thought they were saved and then they found out that they weren't saved are going to the church. It means people who have fallen away from God are returning to God. It's growing numerically. Lost people are being saved. Then it's growing in strength because those who are being saved are being discipled. And now they're starting to serve and they're starting to preach the gospel and they're starting to, to, to you know, give financially and give in support. And you're seeing the growth or the church grow simultaneously in number and in strength. In Luke chapter 15, there are three parables back to back. When Jesus would use a parable, it's basically him telling a story. It's like him giving out a, a play or a movie to make a point. So he's illustrating something, creating something that didn't actually happen, but he's using it to really solidify a point. It's when, and you'll see me do it today. It's when you use an illustration or something to really sell the point so that people go, oh, I understand it now. Jesus did parables all the time, but in Luke 15, there's three back to back. And the first one is the lost sheep, the second one is the lost coin, and the third one is the lost son. If you're familiar with them at all, the lost sheep parable deals with a shepherd who has 100 sheep. He loses one. He leaves the 99 to go find the one. He celebrates when he finds the one. The lost coin has to do with this woman who loses a coin, and she flips the house upside down looking for this coin. And then the lost son has to deal with this father who one of his sons runs away. You probably know it better as the prodigal son, and he waits for his son. And then when he sees his son returning, he runs and embraces his son. 
And when you read all three of those parables and you sit back and look at them from a distance, what you will see is that in all three of these parables, the same principle is woven through all three of these principles, or all through these parables. And here's the principle. You ready? God doesn't get angry with lost things. He goes looking for them. That, that's the heart of God. God does not get angry at things that are lost. He wasn't angry at the one sheep. He went looking for it. She wasn't angry with the coin. She flipped the house upside down until she found it. The father wasn't angry with his son. He sat and looked out the window waiting and then pursued him the moment he saw him. The heart of God is to not get angry at lost people, but to go looking for them. For some reason in our culture today, we think it's Christ-like to be angry with lost people. I don't know why, I always say this, I don't know why we get mad when sinners sin, right? I don't know why we get mad when lost people do something that isn't Christian. I don't know why we would get mad at that. It, 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 it should happen, that's the way it should happen. But we should not be angry at people who don't know Christ, right? Because here's the deal, we should not expect people who don't know Christ to act like Christ. Now for some reason, people who apparently know Christ sometimes don't act like Christ. That's another story. But we should be pursuing the lost person, pursuing the lost thing. Meanwhile, we're spending way too much time being mad at people who don't know Christ instead of doing what the heart of God would do, which is to go after them. So when you read about the church in Acts chapter 9, and again, when I say church, I mean all of the churches in Galilee and Samaria and Judea, all the churches the concept is this, is that they were growing in strength and in number, and it is, um, it's given, it's accredited to two things. When we read in Acts chapter 9, it was really the growth and strength and in number was accredited to two things, and I want to talk to you about these two things because it's important that you and I have these two things in our life. Number one was this, the fear of the Lord. All right, let's go back to Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Let me show you what I mean. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. And what were they doing? Living in the fear of the Lord. They were living in it. Not, 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 not living their own life and then ex occasionally experiencing it. They were living in the fear of the Lord. Now listen, the local church has a lot of ways that it naturally can grow. Okay, For example, marketing. Marketing can grow the local church. I've talked to people, oh, we got this flyer, we saw this sign, you know, it happens. You can do events. We did at the movies, there are people who came because they heard it was at the movies, it's unique, it's creative, it's different, people come to check it out. The church is able to grow on its own. It can have put a sign out in the yard and somebody will drive by and the Holy Spirit will go, you need to go. We had a couple here last week that had been wanting to go to church and they just happened to drive by, see the sign and said, let's go here. It can happen. But the greatest growth agent of the local church, the greatest, for, and the greatest growth agent for the church to see lost people saved will always be the church body, which is you and me, driven by a healthy fear of the Lord. The greatest way that the church will ever grow, the greatest way that people will ever be saved is when the body of the church, you, 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 me, you, 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 me, are driven by a healthy fear of the Lord. Now, let's talk about the fear of the Lord. 
Because if you don't know what I'm talking about, you think we're talking about like, boo, like fear the Lord. Like, like you know, he's going to smite me or throw a lightning bolt at me and I'm scared of him. It's not that kind of fear. Fear of the Lord means to be in awe of God. It means to understand that he is holy and he is the Lord of lords and he is the king of kings. He's to understand that he is above all things. There is this awe, right? There's an, an awe of God. They refer to it as the fear. Another aspect of it is this. I don't know if you think about it like this a lot. Another aspect is for you to truly respect the fact that there is a heaven and a hell and eternity, and we will all spend eternity in one of those two. That's important to remember, because here's what I've learned about being a Christian, is that we often are so focused on what we're dealing with that we somehow detach from the idea of eternity, and we focus so much on here that we lose the fear of the Lord of the idea that, hey, when we die... We're going one of the two places. There's no middle ground. There's no, oh, it was closed. We couldn't go there. We're going to go here. It wasn't, oh, that place is packed. We're going to go here. You're going one of two places. Now watch this. Every person you know is going one of two places. Every person that you work with will eventually pass away, and they will either spend eternity in heaven or in hell. Every family member that you have will eventually pass away and they're to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. My teachers, every kid that you teach at some point is going to pass away and they will spend eternity in heaven or in hell. Think about that. Every coworker, every boss, every loved one, every person you've ever dated, every person that you married, your own children, your own children at some point will pass away and either spend eternity in heaven or hell. This is what I'm talking about. This is what a healthy fear of the Lord is, right? It's to be able to keep in mind that this thing doesn't last very long. And I'm getting closer and closer, guys. I'm 37. It's, it's right around the corner for me. And I know you're like, it's not old. 37 for me is like 78, all right? That's kind of where I am right now. When I, when, I, when I get up out of the bed, I get up in phases. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all do that? It's like phase one, phase two, phase three. Like, it's like one of those toys you got to pop in place as a, you know, kind of thing. Like it's coming around. But we got to keep that in mind. But watch this. When you have a healthy fear of the Lord, it opens up our eyes. And it makes us more aware of those around us that are hurting and lost. Because it's so easy to get focused on ourselves and our issues. But when you start talking about heaven and hell and you know that you are saved and you know you are good, it allows you to start opening up your eyes to other people, gets you off of yourself. Watch this. For a moment, our attention is off of sitcoms. It's off of social media. It's off of our schedules and it's put on eternal significance. But here's the part I really want to talk about. Once we see them, we are now responsible for them. The moment you allow the healthy fear of the Lord to open your eyes to somebody, a coworker, a friend, a loved one, a child, a family member, the moment you really see them, you are now responsible for them. Let me explain. Years ago, we were in Memphis, and I'm driving down the street, and I, get, I turn onto this like eight-lane road, okay? And I'm just driving. I'm in, I'm in the lane kind of closest to the turning lane, and I'm driving, minding my, own, minding my own business. But when I drive, I tend to watch everybody around me because I know folks can't drive. And so I'm always watching. Like, and I see this truck. come. It's coming pretty fast, and it's, you can tell it's going to turn into my lane. 
And so I'm already prepped for it. And, and because of that, I didn't get you know, hurt or anything. But the truck just came right into my lane, never blew a horn, never slowed down, just moved me right out the way, right? And you know, um, I'm saved, but I'm still a human. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I got really angry. And I'm like, all right, I need to talk to this individual. Now, I don't want to fight him. Because I'm, not a, I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. You know what I'm saying? I, I let other people do my fighting. But, but my, my deal was this. Let the Lord do my fighting, right? It's scripture. But my, my, my concept was this. I'm like, I don't know how big he is. That's the real reason, right? Let's be honest. I don't want to pull up and talk stuff and him get out and be three times my size. So I was going to leave that alone. But here was my plan. I'm going to drive up beside him and I'm going to give him the meanest face. I'm going to let him know that he, yep, you were wrong. And so I pulled up beside him. I'm already looking, right? I'm, I'm not even looking at the road no more. I'm already looking out my window. And I pulled up beside him and I made eye contact with him. And the second he made eye contact with me, you, I could see it in his face. It all, all the calculations went off and he realized what he had done. Like he never even saw me to begin with. So the moment that we made eye contact and he realized he had almost ran me off the road, he went into like this crazy apologetic, just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so, he was talking, and all of a sudden it moved my heart. And I was like, no, it's okay. Like I'm alive. You know, I have two cars. I could have another one. And we just start to have this moment, you know, like I'm apologizing to him. He, I didn't do anything to him. But I'm, because I saw him, and watch this, before I saw him, he was a car, right? He was a car that almost killed me. But the moment I saw him, he became a person. And then something shifted. This is why when you do something dumb while you're driving, you try not to look at the person. You know what I'm talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. When you cut in front of them and you know they're coming up beside you, you're like this. Right? All of a sudden, you act like you're staring at the clouds or something. You look at every person that pulls up beside you unless you've done something dumb. When somebody's trying to cut in, right, and get in the line, what do you do? You don't look at them because if you look at them, now you're responsible for what? Letting them get in. And so if I just don't look at, oh, I don't even know you're there because watch this. When we don't see something, we don't know about it. And when we don't know about it, we don't think about it. And when we don't think about it, we aren't responsible for it. If I don't see you, I don't know you're there, and I don't have to let you get in front of me. But when I see you, and we make eye contact, I either have to let you over, or I am a jerk. <laughs> so if we just don't, I'll never forget the first time I went on a missions trip, which by the way, Costa Rica 2022, get signed up if you want to go. It's going to be amazing. First time we went on a mission trip. It wasn't Darla's first time. It was my first time. I went to Jamaica with our church in Memphis. And uh, when, when, when we, you fly into the Jamaican airport, and then we had a two-hour ride to the hotel that we were staying in. So we all loaded up in like a bus, and they started taking us over to the hotel. But obviously, I'm not driving, so I had the opportunity to just look out the window all the way to our hotel, which when I say hotel, it wasn't a hotel, right? But I'm just letting you know. I'm saying hotel because they think it's a hotel. And so we were headed to the hotel. But as I'm looking out the window, I was seeing all kinds of crazy stuff. I was seeing people who lived in cardboard boxes. I'll never forget this one family. They had this like concrete house and it didn't have any kind of roof and it didn't have windows. It just had holes in the concrete. And so it had a dirt floor. It had four, you know, obviously it had one opening because I could see into it. And uh, so it had basically three walls and just some cut out of the concrete for windows, no ceiling. And I'm just like, this is their life, right? This is their everyday life. And when I saw that, 
something in me shifted, right? There was just this moment where I'm like, I can't go back home and just be me and talk about how I don't have enough square footage or talk about how I want three bathrooms or whatever, when meanwhile, these people don't even have a ceiling because it does something to you once you see them. This is why Paul said to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 1, he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. The eyes, here's what that tells me. When I tell you, open your eyes, when I say, God, open our eyes, we think we're talking about these. I'm talking about these. Let these eyes open, Lord. Let, let the eyes of my heart be enlightened. Father, bless me with the fear of the Lord so that it opens up the eyes of my heart. Because if I'm thinking about the fact that every person who dies goes to heaven or goes to hell, when I'm in the grocery line and somebody cuts me off, I don't get angry because the eyes of my heart are open. And I'm thinking more about if I try to tell that person about Jesus, they won't receive it if I've cussed them out in the middle of Publix. And so your eyes of your heart become open and we're burdened. We're moved by the fear of the Lord. This is why the church was blowing up like it was in the book of Acts. This is the reason why it was growing in number. This is why it was growing daily. Daily people were being added to the church. Why? Because the disciples and the apostles and those following Jesus refused to let the eyes of their heart be closed. They said every morning, make this your prayer every morning. Father, open the eyes of my heart. Not only to you, but to the people that are around me. When I see somebody give me the burden of the fact that they might not know the Lord. Imagine it, Vader, let me talk to you for a second. Imagine if you're, while you're in school, every person that walks past you, your eyes of your heart is open to the fact that they might not know Jesus Christ. I was talking to her, she went to youth group on Wednesday night last week, had a blast, Melanie and Jeff are amazing. And we're coming home and she's talking, or maybe we were headed there and she was talking about wanting some friends at school to come. And I'm like, invite them. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So yeah, invite them and bring them. And maybe they don't know Jesus and maybe they get saved. What's the worst thing that can happen? Them say, I'm already saved? Cool, awesome, we're both going to heaven. Then grab my hand, let's go plunder hell, right? Let's go after somebody else. Our eyes need to be open to the fact that people don't know Jesus. Do you know why that person makes you so mad? Because they don't know Jesus. I know that person over here that makes you mad knows Jesus, but that's another story. But people who aren't safe, we have to get back to having a burden for that. And so when I talk to you about vision, yes, connection, and yes, outreach, but if we don't wake up every morning burdened for the people who don't know Jesus, what are we doing? None of the disciples woke up and said, Jesus, let's go start a church. They woke up and said, let's go see people get saved, and then once they were saved, it resulted in a church. But what we've allowed culture to do is to move us into a place where we are nothing but a glorified country club. And I'm just talking, I'm not talking specifically about us or another church, so don't, don't think I'm going after anybody. I'm just saying we can fall into that personally, personally. But it's the fear of the Lord that gets us woken up and realize, oh man, that person I work out with every week, they might not know Jesus. The person who sits at the cubicle with me, they may not know Jesus. My student in my class, they may not know Jesus. And so what could I do to introduce them to Jesus? Amen? So it's the fear of the Lord. Here was the second thing. The encouragement of the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to Acts chapter 9. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Then the church throughout Judea, uh, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord. 
and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, then it increased in number. It's important for you to understand that there's both, okay? There's the fear of the Lord and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. You don't want one without the other. We, we want them both. We want the fear of the Lord, but we also want the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Here's what that is saying in our terms. You ready? In order for the church to be strengthened and to grow, then the comfortable must be afflicted and the afflicted must be comforted. In order for the church to come alive, in order for it to grow in strength, in order for it to grow in number, those of us that are comfortable must be afflicted to a place where we are now uncomfortable to where we want to do something about it. Those of us who are afflicted must be comforted so that we can rejoice in the presence of the Holy Spirit and then go after the lost. You see what I'm saying? You got to have both. If we're comfortable, we need to be afflicted. If we're afflicted, we need to be comforted. There's seasons where you need the Holy Spirit to comfort you. You can't share the gospel because you're under too much but you need the Holy Spirit to comfort you so you can go share the gospel. Some of us, we just need to be uncomfortable for a moment so that we'll actually go and tell somebody about Jesus. Let me give you the best illustration, all right? If this doesn't send it home for you, I'll walk out and leave and go, go have a birthday cake somewhere down the street. So, so all right, it is, when the Lord gave this to me, this was just everything for me. All right, my six-year-old child, Casey Ray, her room is a complete wreck, all right? Anybody got anybody six years old and younger? You know what I'm talking about? My goodness. Like, I'm pretty sure there might be a person there. I'm not sure. Like, somebody might be living. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. She one time found a Christmas present that had been unopened. How do you lose a Christmas present? That's how dirty her room was. So we would always ask her to clean it, and it would, you know, it just was always getting, you know, feedback from her, and it was like, oh, ugh. One day I'm in the room with her and she's her stuff's all over the place, Legos, toys. We're walking and she steps on a toy and it hurts her foot, right? So she steps on a toy and she's like, ah, and she's screaming and she's crying. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? And she tells me and I said, listen, that wouldn't have happened if your room was clean, right? Because let's be honest, I'm not Jesus. I can be like Jesus. I'm not Jesus. So I'm not going to comfort you. I'm going to tell you what you should have done better. So I was like, if, if your room was clean, that wouldn't have happened, okay? It wouldn't have happened. And so that all of a sudden excited her, and she's like, all right, I'm going to clean my room. I said, great, you clean your room. I'm going to leave. I'll go do whatever I was doing. Come back, check on you, clean your room. So I left for a moment. I come back upstairs about 30 minutes or so, walk in the room. Nothing has been cleaned. In fact, I think she made it dirtier is what I think happened. You know what I'm talking about when your kid tries to clean, and you're like, just stop. Like, you're making it dirtier it was than you started. So I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, look, you got it. And she, all of a sudden, she like threw a fit. She was like, it's too much. Like, it's so dirty. I won't, it's going to take me 60 years to clean this room. Y'all know how we do. And I'm like, in my part of me, I'm like, you're right. It is going to take you 60 years, but, but it's got to get clean. And so again, I'm the one that's just like, do it and be quiet. Meanwhile, my wife comes in like an angel and she's like, sweetheart, I have an idea. And she said, why don't you divide the room up into sections? And so she's like, what if you just focused on this section right here? Just, just clean this and then take a picture of it and bring it to me and show me the picture of it. And I'll tell you if it's clean. And if it's clean, you can go to the next section. And Casey Ray's like, okay, okay. So then she starts that process and did it one by one by one. And she's done. And the room is clean. It's amazing, right? Watch this. You're like, what does that have to do with my life? It is literally us when it comes to sharing the gospel. 
because a lot of us are totally comfortable living in a world where a lot of people are going to die and go to hell. We are comfortable being in a room that is a complete mess until we become uncomfortable, until something happens where we're afflicted, and now all of a sudden we have this passion where we're going to do something about it. We're going to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm going to witness to my coworker. I'm going to witness to my mom. I'm going to do this, and we're excited about it, and then we go after it, and then what happens? We get overwhelmed. Everybody's unsaved. All my coworkers, all my family members, it's too much for me. It's going to take me 60 years. And then in comes the Holy Spirit and says, hey, let's just focus right here. And if you'll just focus right, no matter how long it takes you, if you'll just focus right here, then once something great happens there, then we can move on. There was a recent study done on us that says that every one of us are completely overwhelmed because there's too much going on right now that we feel we need to help with. Think about it. Because of media, because of us being able to know what's happening all over the world, we have so much going on that we, in our hearts, really want to help with. With all that's happening in Afghanistan, I know there's something in our heart that wants, we, we, we care for those people. We pray for them. We wish we could go and help them. We want to be involved. When all that happened to Waverly, we wanted to be a part of it. When the hurricane came through Louisiana, we wanted to help. Now here comes COVID again with the Delta, you know, mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine. There's so much going on that we're so overwhelmed because we want to help everybody. I want to help everybody. I want to be for you and I want to be for you and I want to help you and I want to help you. And it's everything. And we're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. And now you're going to tell me that I need to be worried about somebody who might die and go, I can't add anything else. But here's what the Holy Spirit is saying. Number one is this. You can't change most of that. You can pray for it, and you should be. But once you've prayed for it, it's in the hands of the Lord. You can't, maybe you can drive down. Maybe a few of you can go to Waverly. Maybe somebody you know, knows somebody who's able to go to F. Maybe you can do something. But for the most part, all you can really do is pray. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you are so overwhelmed by all of this stuff that you can't change. Meanwhile, just focus right here. Just right here. Where, where you can make a huge impact. Where I've already given you favor. Where you already have somebody who hangs on every word you say where you already have somebody who's opened up to you and said, hey, tell me about, you've already had moments where, and then you realize, watch this, that when the fear of the Lord moves you in to sharing the gospel, it becomes uncomfortable, but then here comes the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to be able to help you while you do it. A couple weeks ago, uh, I went to my friend Kyle. Kyle was dressed as Jack Sparrow during that movie, so if, if you know who I'm talking about, you know, you know Kyle. And I'm talking to him one night at set up, and we're both just kind of talking back and forth about, you know, just wanting to pray for people and wanting to have opportunities to share the gospel and, you know, just different things and finding creative ways and stuff. And he says, you know what? He said, we could go to Lee Victory Park and like walk around and pray for people. And I have another friend, John Lowe, a lot of y'all know, he, this is something he's done before. And it, it, and it sounds crazy. And so I'm like, okay, sure, let's do that. You know, because I'm like, I'm going to be with Kyle, so that's kind of accountability. Let's do it. So we meet up on Friday about an hour before setup, and we go to Lee Victory Park. We get out, and we shoot the breeze for a couple minutes, and then we pray together, 
And then we, we go, and I'm like, I'm like, I've never done, he, he had done this before, when he, before he moved here. I'm like, I've never done this before. What, what, we just start walking around? He's like, yeah, let's just, you know, he's so nonchalant. He's like, yeah, let's just walk around. Like, yeah, you know. So we walk around, and we're going around, and, and, and there's people. I mean, there's people everywhere, people with their kids at the park, kids skateboarding, guys playing basketball, and I'm just like, you know, I've been in ministry for, you know, 16, 17 years, and, and, and we're walking, and as we're walking up to people, everything in me is so nervous, right? Because I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm from Memphis, so you get shot for stuff like that. So I'm like, you know, what, what's going to happen? And there was just this moment, and we talked about it later, where it's like the breaking of the ice. It's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. It's like, because I, 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 I'm, I'm for people, so I don't want to bother people, you know? So I'm like, hey, I don't want to bother, I'm not trying to sell you, I don't want to bother you, but I do have something really good that you might like. But as soon as we talk to somebody, the first person we talk to, she leads worship at her parents' church. And so the moment we mentioned something to her, she just lit up. And we had this incredible time just sharing about God and all that. But it was so weird. And I told Kyle this afterwards. I was like, once that ice was broken, all of a sudden I was just like the, the most you know, extroverted person in the world. I was like, hey, yeah, Jesus, hey, you know, Because what it was, it was the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. The fear of the Lord got me to go. I showed up. Because I know that I want people to experience God, but I'm still very human. And so there was moments where it was just very uncomfortable. But once I pushed through the discomfort, Kyle would always break. The, I'd sit back and just wait. And he, I mean, beautiful. He'd break the ice and then I'd jump in and take everything. Like, oh, I got this now, buddy. You know, not kidding. I mean, I'm, yeah, anyway. Okay. But my point is that, that once you kind of get past the discomfort, in comes this encouragement of the Holy Spirit. So my point in telling you this is, listen to me, I know that there are people that God's laid on your heart to share the gospel with, and I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but if you will stick with it, I promise you there is a comforting and an encouragement of the Holy Spirit that will come with it, and when the conversation's over, over you'll go back to your seat, or you'll get in your car, and you'll go, that was the coolest thing I've ever experienced, because the Holy Spirit will move through you, and you'll be like, I don't even know how I knew that. How did I know that? I don't know how I knew that. And it's phenomenal. But I'm going to promise you something. You're going to go, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this again. And when you start to do it again, it's going to be equally uncomfortable. But you're going to push through it. And it's going to be the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And I just, I just really want us to become passionate about seeing people saved. In this day and age, guys, it, I mean, I know it's important every time of our life, but, but now's the time. People are freaking out and they're wondering, is there, is there any hope? Yes, Jesus. Yes, post-death, Jesus. Pre-death, Jesus. Post-problem, Jesus. Pre-problem, Jesus. In the middle of the problem, Jesus. But we gotta tell people about him. We gotta let the fear of the Lord move us to wanna tell him about him and then allow the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to help us when it happens. So here's what I'm hoping Today and the next two Sundays will answer for us this simple question. Why church? Why church? We're in the South, so a lot of you have just been raised going to church. It's what you do. It's what we do. Now, it's interesting as culture continues to develop, that's slowly becoming not the thing to do anymore. And so we need to know why. Well, why, why do you go to church? Why, 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 why church? And I'm hoping that today and the next couple of Sundays will really answer that question. You know, why set up every Friday? Why get off work and, and rush through traffic to get into the school and there's no air conditioner in the hallway and set up for a church service? Why, 
Why come in on Sunday mornings and serve? For all of my VKids team, both in here and listening online, why come Sunday and not even get to go to church? Why come in and hold babies and minister to young kids? Why do that? Why? Why, Troy, why? Why am I doing it? Why? Why, why, why hang out after service and then have to tear everything down and be sweating? Why, why am I doing it? Why go to a small group? Why connect with people? Why give? Why give? I got enough bills. Why give? Why serve? Why should I care? Why church? And I really want to do my best to answer that over the next three weeks. But, but before I do that, because it's my birthday, I thought that I would just stop and have a donut. You know what I mean? Because part of it's because I'm fat. And the other part is because, you know, you just don't, you don't normally get to do this. You know what I'm saying? So I figured, my scrub, I figured, it's a Dunkin' Donut. I don't have anything dunking him. Um, I'm gonna choke to death now. Watch it. But I was like, you know, kind of a oh, thank you, an angel from the Lord. Fear of the Lord, encouragement of the Holy Spirit. See what I mean? I didn't plan that. It was beautiful. But yeah, it's really good. Anybody here like donuts? You like donuts? Big fan of donuts. I thought, you know, it's probably be probably wrong for me to get up here and talk about how good this donut is and not. Share it, right? So I brought two more. As I figured I'd share. Here was my thought. Jeff, you don't normally get to be here with us because you're traveling with your band. And so because you're here and because we love your presence, I won't touch it, COVID world. I'll let you, I'll let you grab it. There you go. Get that donut. There you go. We want to be able to share it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, come on down here, girl. I'll let you have the, no, not you, your friend. What's wrong with you? Here, take that one. There you go. Hey, come here, baby. No, I'm sorry. My baby. Sorry. Yeah, that one. I did bite in it. But it's got chocolate on it. Don't you frown. Some of you right now, you're like, you know what? I didn't really want a donut, but I'm kind of offended that he didn't try to share one with me, right? <laughs> like, I don't really want one because I'm watching my figure, but I'm, I'm kind of offended that he didn't share it with me. Because there's just something in us that if somebody's got something good, then they should, they should share it, right? It just makes sense. Like it's, again, it's, it's just normal. I'm, I, I didn't hesitate to give him a donut. Why? Because I've tasted it and I know that it is good. The Bible says taste and see that he is good. When you know he's good, you don't hesitate to share it. Well, what if he doesn't want it? Then he's an idiot. It's a donut. You know what I mean? It's manna from heaven with glaze touched from the finger of God. Why would you not want it? Of course he wants it. But you know what? If he doesn't want it, who cares? Somebody else will want it. Veda got up. She didn't even want it. And it just, the Holy Spirit drew her to the donut. This is the gospel. Okay, I'll tell you what. It's so good. I want to share it with everybody. So come on, come on, dream team. Just go down for a second. And let's just, let's just bless them for a moment. Because y'all got to be able to get a donut to really be able to grasp this, all right? So my incredible dream team's coming through. They're dropping a donut for you. Go ahead and grab one. And then when you get one, hang on tight for a second because the message is not over yet. There's a point for this. I'm not just feeding you so that you'll be happy. However, when you come to church Labor Day weekend, you get donuts. You know what I mean? It's just how it works. The God, Lord is, is gracious. Hey, they already got one. Don't give them another one, little eater. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. Sorry, John. Joking. Just kidding. Y'all got to get this, though. It's going to be so good. And look, Dream Team, if they say they don't want one, just move on. 
because somebody in the room wants one. Can I get a hallelujah? Just because you try to share the gospel with somebody and they don't want it, move on. The next person wants it. You know what I'm saying? I'll preach this Bible from a donut like it ain't nobody's business. Get them. Get them good because we got one more thing and we're going to close. Now, here's a cool story. I will tell you this. When you leave, we have bottled waters waiting for you. Okay? I didn't want to give the waters to you now because I'm petty. But... When you leave, there will be bottled waters and napkins and stuff, so just hang tight for a second. Feel free to go ahead and eat it if you want. You just might choke to death like me. But hey, real quick, look at me, look at me, look at me. If you got your donut, look at me. Last week, I talked about how Jesus Christ was the sacrificial lamb. Jesus was the lamb. And then I walked us through all these stipulations that was of the lamb, right? The lamb had to be male, had no blemish, no broken bones, killed at this time, cooked at this time, and how Jesus met all of those stipulations biblically so that he could rightfully be the sacrificial lamb. Right? You remember that? We went through all of that. There is one stipulation of the lamb that is not put responsibility-wise on the lamb. All right, I want to show you in Exodus chapter 12, verse 4. Watch this. If any household, any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. There's one stipulation that is not for the lamb, but for the people who are benefiting from the lamb. And the one stipulation is this. If you've got more than you need, you have to share it, right? If, it, if you've got enough, if he's been enough for you, the one stipulation for us is we got to share it. So why do we sit up on Friday nights to share Jesus? Why do we come in here and hold babies and minister to V kids and run production? These guys have been here for hours. He hasn't slept in a year. And it's probably accurate. And he's up here serving. Why do we do it? Why do we come to church? Why do we tear down? Why do we go to small group? Why do we give? Why do we serve? Why do we believe? So that we can share Jesus. It's the reason. Because you are blessed. Because you know Christ. And so when you die, and you will, you will go to heaven for eternity. If you're in this place and you're not sure, then I want to talk with you. I want to walk you through a prayer. I want to help you believe that. But if you're in here and you know, then watch this. You have enough lamb. You have plenty of lamb. And it is your responsibility to share the lamb, and I love this part, with your nearest neighbor. Why would it say that? I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do with Afghanistan and Waverly. They're not near you. Who is near you? Who do you work with? Who do you live by? Who do you hang out with? Listen, church, that is the biggest vision that we will ever carry. We will always be about small groups and giving and outreach and serving and all of these things that happen, and we'll talk about them that bring family and connection. But if we don't do this, if we are not concerned about lost people being saved, then we are missing the whole thing.
And I'll leave you on this note. I'm so glad that the people who were near me 20-something years ago were willing to share the lamb. What if Brian Hogwood would have ate all that lamb by himself? <laughs> what if Tammy and Ron Kennemore would have never cared about sharing the lamb? I mean, I could just, I could name names to you. What if they would have been like, no, no, we're good, we're good. Then would I have even known Jesus? And so it's an encouragement, but it's also a mandate. I'm your pastor. It's our responsibility. We need to see them. We need to take responsibility for them, and we have got to start telling them about Jesus. Now, I will do one thing for you this week. I will put as much information on our Facebook and on our website about how to share the gospel. I'll, I'll put it all on there. I'm right out here. You can ask me after service, how, how do we do this? I'll help you with the logistics, but I cannot make you see them. That has to be on you. Amen? Do me a favor. Ben, if you'll come up here for a second, we, we want to close with a prayer that is a song. It's a song, it's called Build Your Church. And by all means, we, we want the Lord to build our physical church, but what we're really talking about is build the church through us, our heart first, and seeing lost people saved. And so what I wanna encourage you to do is, is kinda allow this song, this time to just kinda take it in for a second, take in what we've talked about, let it be your response time, really feel the Holy Spirit speak to you. Maybe this would be a great time for you to pray and say, God, who is it? Who is it that's nearest to me? that you want me to share the gospel with? You can eat your donut while you sing. How many of you already ate your donut? Let me see you already ate your donut. Hallelujah. I'm just glad to know that we're a hungry church. <laughs> it's my birthday, guys. You know, it is. I just really want you to get this church. Because I'm telling you, at the end of the day, Nothing will make you more excited to lay your head down on a pillow than to know that you did all you could that day to tell somebody about Jesus. Anybody remember that old song that used to talk about a guy, he'd get to heaven, and then people would run up to him, and, and they'd introduce themselves to him, and he'd be like, I didn't know who any of them were, and they would say, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. Why? Because they got saved. Believing that we'll get to heaven, and there'll be people who will come up to us and say, thank you, because you did it, because you, because you... I found Jesus. So do me a favor. Stand up in this place for a second. You guys ready? Close your eyes just for a moment, just for a few more moments, and then we'll, we'll be done. But I just want you to really take this moment and allow it to be a time for you to respond, reflect. Again, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Pray and ask who would be somebody that the Lord would want you to share the gospel with. Listen to the words. Just receive, receive this time of worship. I'll pray, and then when I say amen, y'all take us into it. Father, we thank you right now for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your mandate to share the lamb. I thank you for the lamb. Thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that I get to spend eternity in heaven because of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray you would burden my heart for every lost person in my life, that you would open up my eyes. As Paul said, oh, enlighten my, the eyes of my heart so that I could see people and then put a weight of responsibility on me that would move me. And just when it begins to overwhelm, I pray you'd bring the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to help me. And Father, we'd be moved to be able to see people that are lost, saved, the hurting, healed, the purposeless, given purposed, all because of you and your Holy Spirit, Father. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.